Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Belgian Football Podcast. This is episode 21, I believe. Uh, my name is Ben Jackson and as always, I'll be your host. And this week, as per usual, I am joined by our very own, let's go for Koita and Hearmans of the podcast, Scott and Yoris, a bit of Vazan and loving going on here. Um, how are you guys doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm really good, Ben. It's great to be back. Yes, the jinx is back, and I can I, I can assure you that I'm not going to jinx anyone this week, not intentionally, anyway. Yeah, oh, I'm I'm less happy than I was hoping to be, but I'm also I'm still happy to be presenting here, but and also also a little bit sad because like COVID seems to have an, had an entrance a new entrance in a, in the league, but we'll talk about that later, of course. Yeah, no, absolutely, as you said, yours. Um... Yeah, COVID is kind of back with a bit of force in the Belgian Football League at the moment. And yeah, for those of you who didn't hear last week, Scott's tipped Genk to win the title and they lost on Friday for the first time in forever. So yeah, <laughs> the curse is real, people. It is of definitely course, real. Of course, um, of course it, was, it, was, it was the strip. Nothing to do with me. I'm pleading ignorance. <laughs> or that kit. Yeah, if you haven't seen the Genk third kit... Um, yeah, I, I don't think it should be viewed before nine o'clock. It's that bad. It's horrific. Oh, it's I think they should be burnt now already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think that's fair enough. I think that's so probably a... If, if you have wonder. enough money, please buy all the gang stock there from them <laughs> and burn it all. And, okay, yeah, maybe I, keep one as a collector's item, but... <laughs> I was just going to say, buy one at a massively reduced price and keep it in mint condition because it'll be worth a lot more at some point. I can't imagine they've sold many of those kits. It's, yeah, it's horrific. So, yeah, if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. Yeah, um, okay, maybe don't buy it. Just somehow burn them all without making any victims, of course, but burn them, but don't help them with money to these kind of shirts because that will only pursue them to get more of this. Yeah, crap. <laughs> That's the only thing to yeah. say. It. Yeah, I don't think they'll be wearing them again anytime soon, especially after the result and... Probably they must have got some bad reactions. Surely the players must have been like, what is this? But anyway, this isn't a, a kit podcast. Um, there's plenty of other nice kits in the Belgian Pro League uh, that you can check out. But yeah, in this episode, we're just going to do our usual uh, run through games of the week. Uh, Joris will give us a nice little rundown of uh, everything that happened outside of those. We've got a little bit of news to go through. Not as much as in the past couple of weeks, which is quite nice. And then, yeah, we'll have a look at the fixtures that are coming up this week. As we said in the last podcast, it's an English week, which means there's plenty of midweek games. I think as of recording of Monday, we are now going into a cycle of games pretty much all the way up until Sunday. So every day this week, we'll have a game. A couple of cancellations because of COVID. Again, we'll take a look at that as well. Sorry if some of the information is being told differently by history by the time you're listening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're kind of a bit selfish in that we wanted to watch the games rather than being sat there recording while a game is on. We thought that'd be a bit ridiculous. So yeah, this is a pre-midweek podcast. So any games that take place from Tuesday onwards, we haven't seen. We're in the past. Um, so we're literally just going to kind of have a little look towards them, probably make some terribly wrong predictions. But we can kind of talk about the match week that just happened. Scott, do you want to Go first with your game of the week and your player of the week. Absolutely, yeah. I went I went for um, Mecklen against Vaslan Beveren as, as my match of the week. Um, I think, you know, we touched on it last week, how, how this was going to be a big game for all sorts of reasons. Things are uh, fairly heating up down at the bottom of the table in, in that dogfight. Mecklen have been kind of slowly sliding into to real trouble over the last two or three weeks and kind of found themselves right in it. So we knew this one was going to be one kind of keeping an eye on. And kind of, we, we weren't wrong, really. I, I think it 
it's um, same old, same old story for Mechelen, really. They started well and then just kind of imploded. Um, as they've been doing for most of the season. Started well, as I was saying, uh, get the opening goal through uh, Harriman's in uh, 27 minutes. And you think, okay, right, you know, it's going to plan from a Mechelen point of view. And then, you know, less than 10 minutes later, Seaman Vogt gets what was a, a deserved straight red for just an, a, an outrageously stupid tackle uh, that broke broke the player in half to be honest it was one of those um he wanted to have a conversation with the referee after the red and I was thinking what could he possibly want to discuss there but you know yeah so they, they start to implode you know they get down to 10 um they managed to get into half time at 1-0 and you know you're thinking right okay the the, the chat in the dressing room's got to be all around what we spoke about last week actually and kind of touching on game management issues how are we going to handle the second half let's reorganize a bit but within four minutes of the second half restarting the game had completely flipped and uh, Vastlan had gone 2-1 up Dan Heyman's scoring a couple of minutes into the start of the second half uh, worst possible start for Mechelen a couple of minutes later Abu Bakari Koita scored another fantastic goal actually I mean really clinical strikes the ball he's responsible for at the moment. Mecklen, to be fair to them, actually managed to get themselves back into the game. They got it back to 2-2 with a really good counter-attacking goal. But I was my initial reaction was, I just cannot see them in game management terms seeing this game out and holding on to a draw here. And, and, and sure enough, um, Leonardo Bertoni steps up with an absolutely brilliant strike, which was the one that, that won the game for, for Vastland in the end. Just... Same old, same old, as I was saying from Mechelen, and they've really got to address this now. There needs to be a kind of fundamental shift there, Um, you know, but yeah, there just does. It's so so frustrating to watch. I think think Wouter Rankin is now on the thinnest ice possible. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and the the results have been poor lately indeed. A few points I wanted to say about this game. Heimans indeed scored. Nice nice team score again. He, he used to be a top scorer in the league in the first months, but now it was his first goal since 26th of September, the 26th of September, I believe. So more than well almost 3 months and he had quite a dry spell there. And also just the quality of the goals have been, was was great actually in this game. I feel like the Mechelen goal was a nice um, one touch attack. Yeah, I, I've only watched five minutes of this game, which were the four, uh, the the five minute first minutes of the second half, in which Beveren actually turned the game, and these were also two beautiful goals. So I would highly recommend watching rewatching these goals, except if you're a Mechel fan, probably because yeah, you might not want to torture yourself again. Great game, and Koita scored again. Yeah, he, he can still he, he can shoot from distance now. I, I'm, I'm turning quickly. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's... <laughs> He's definitely been practicing, I think. You can, you can say that much. You can tell that by the, the quality of some of the strikes. I don't know if anyone spotted as well. Something that amused me just on full time, there was a shot of Outer Franken kind of walking onto the pitch to greet his players, and he scratched the top of his head, and it actually made me laugh because I thought, well, you know, there's a there's a Laurel and Hardy moment, if ever there was one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, just on that Koita goal as well, like the build up to it was so good. Like the little interchange yeah. of passes and stuff to get him free and his little dribble and shot. Like it was such a good like team goal as well. And I think, yeah, he scored what in their last one, two, three, four, four matches. He's got, I think it's like five goals or something. So he's an absolute fire at the moment. 
and quite a big kind of catalyst for their like turnaround in fortune. Yeah, no, like you said, all three of their goals are really, really good. The, the winner goals, winning goal by Batoni was really, really good. Yeah, really impressed with Beveren in that game. In terms of your player of the week, Scott, was that from this game as well or from a different game? Yeah, it was from the same game. I went with um, Leonardo Bertoni, who I've already mentioned, scored a cracking goal in this game. But, you know, regular listeners will know that a lot of my recent players of the week have, have been midfielders. I've been really enjoying some midfield performances in the last three or four weeks. And this was kind of another one. Something that kind of really the main reason I picked him actually was you know his all round game was really good. Obviously the goal was the icing and the cake, no doubt about it. But I think you know it's kind of quite telling actually. Beveren's upturning form. I think it, it, it's no coincidence that I think they've been a bit better in midfield in recent weeks as well. And this performance kind of typifies that. It's it's that sort of. It's indicative of, of a general midfield improvement in the side, I think, which is leading to them creating more chances, which they've been doing, and scoring more goals, which they've been doing. Um, and all of that has has kind of been building towards, obviously, them them kind of climbing out of the relegation zone and um, now, you know, looking looking towards mid-table rather than rather than beneath them. So I, I don't think it's a kind of coincidence that, you know, their form... It's not, it's not just, obviously, the strikers kind of performing much better recently. I think the midfield have been better, and this is the sort of performance that kind of typifies that. Fans, Beveren fans will know that Bertone is, is their 26-year-old Swiss midfielder. He's actually got an 86% pass succession rate over the course of the season, which is which is good as well. And that's over 11 matches. He's, he's only started 11 games, one goal, one assist. But if he can maintain that level again, then, then Beveren are going to be able to kind of build on you know, the, the standards they've set in, in recent weeks. And they're, they're definitely in a good place at the moment. And it's uh, it's it's exciting for them and us, I think. Yeah, no, I like what you said about the um, the midfielders there, because I think I mentioned them last week. I really liked Petoni and uh, Manjek in that game Yeah, against Muscron. And just looking again at since Manjek's come into the side, they've only lost one game. So I think he kind of doesn't, he's not a flashy player. He's quite like just kind of, in between defence and attack, like kind of cleaning up and like shifting the ball on. But I think that combination of those two in midfield has really helped them in matches to kind of control the ball a little bit more and kind of create plays and chances and stuff that they're then the attackers are like kind of finishing off and stuff. But yeah, I agree. I've, Bertone's been brilliant. Um, Manjek as well alongside him, I think has been really good. So things are definitely looking up for Beverly at the moment. Um, Joris, I think, did you want to come in and say something? I, I don't want to take anything away, f- away from his goal, but should Cook have done better there? Possibly. Yeah, possibly. I mean, it's one of those where, you know, I, th- I think, you know, on a fundamental level, when you look at it, you think, okay, yeah, as a goalkeeping coach, yeah, I think there are some things that he, that he could have done better with. But I suppose it's one of those, you know, that, you know, goalkeeping coaches will look at it that way. I think everyone else will look at it and go, well, you know, it's, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll admire the attacking play rather than the, maybe the goalkeeper's um, mistake. We may have to change your name to Ivan Lecco, Joris, if you uh, keep going after goalkeepers. Um, <laughs> let's, let's classify it as a good goal from Bertone anyway, then. Moving on from that game, my game of the week involves Muscon, the team we just talked about earlier, and they hosted Beershot, who, yeah, they were really missing Tisu Dali in this game. I thought you could kind of tell they weren't as good attacking-wise, and they ended up losing 3-1, which was a bit of a shock, really. Yeah, Muscon just coming off that loss to Beveren, you're a bit like unsure as to maybe if kind of like the resurgence had kind of halted already and the honeymoon period was over, but I thought they were really decent. The first goal, though, is just, oh, it was awful from Von Hummel. Like, he gets the ball 
at the back. Um, I think it might be after it's like a maybe from like a corner or set piece that Beershot had, and it comes back to him. And without even looking, he's like outside of his box and he plays like a square ball across to the to a defender that's coming back, but he just doesn't look and the defender slips, Anana gets it, takes a little bit of time, and then just like puts the ball into a, into the empty net. But he kind of yeah, he took a little bit of time. But um should should the keeper quite... have done better there? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean though? Like he got the ball and you're like, I was like, I'll just shoot. And he didn't, and I was like, Oh, he's gonna waste this chance. Like, but then he slowly like he just did, like he got it in eventually. But I found it really funny because I was like, I just wanted to re-watch like the highlights on YouTube. So I just watched Beer Shots one and they've like edited the goal so you don't see the mistake from Von Hummel. You just see like the ball falling to Anana's feet. And then him putting it away, they've just like eradicated it from history and like deleted it. Fake um, news, also, fake news. <laughs> yeah, so according other, to Bearshot, that never happened. Other thing about that face, yes, the ball came from the other box and there were shouts for a penalty for Bearshot there. Was it a penalty or not? That's actually oh. the question. Yeah, no, I, I didn't get to see the replay of um the penalty shout, but initial thought, I was like, that looks close. And then they just never went back to it. So I was like, okay, it must have been fine. As we know from other games that took place this weekend, that doesn't necessarily mean that there wasn't a contentious decision to be made. Yeah, no, I just thought, like, we've banged this drum continuously, I think, the last couple of weeks. When Da Costa plays, Muscon just looked like a better team. He's just, he is their best striker. His goal was really, really well taken. Like, nice bit of quick feet, left-footed strike. Again, like, at first I thought maybe Von Harman could have done better, but the more I watch it, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of unsure. I kind of will give the benefit of the doubt to Da Costa and give the benefit of the doubt to Van Hommel that maybe it was a difficult one to get. Yeah, Da Costa I thought was really good. And then Tabakoy, who came on, I thought he was really, really lively, really, really excellent player when he came on, like really kind of just brought some energy and like enthusiasm to the game, which I thought was a great, op- a great time for Musclon as they were like a 2-0 up. And the third goal was just like, it was just like a classic beer shot one to concede where there's just no defenders anywhere. <laughs> it's just like they're all like pushing up looking for to get back into the game and he just has like a simple tapping off the ball's played across to him but I thought his overall performance was quite good Rafa Holthauser gets one back for beer shot in like the 80 something minute and even though it's 3-1 part of me's thinking they're gonna come back in this game they've got enough time <laughs> this would be typical beer shot like playing terribly but somehow just kind of like rescue a point but they didn't so yeah, Muscon took the win. Really massive, massive win, I think. Like uh, you said, Scott, Franken was uh, is on really thin ice and this was one of the results that kind of thinned the ice a lot more. Yeah, we've since found out that a lot of beer shot players were feeling unwell. So Tisu Dali uh, is COVID and there's a couple of others. And then Lasada says after the game that a couple of players were feeling unwell, which based the question as to why were they even playing the game in the first place if they didn't feel well. Oh. But again... It's kind of hard, I guess, if you don't have the positive test, you can't kind of cancel the game without knowing. But yeah, I don't, I hopefully it wasn't like an excuse or anything. I think Muscon did just outplay them. I think without Tisu Dali, they're not as, they weren't threatening going forward. They didn't have that player to like dribble at the um, Muscon defence. So I thought, yeah, Muscon defended quite well, played quite well. And I think, yeah, really big confidence boost for them. Uh, I don't know if you guys have any opinions on this game as well. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I, th- I think, you know, <sighs> beer shot loot. Off, off the boil, shall we say, which they, they have done for kind of a couple of weeks now. It's, it's just interesting that, you know, all this news about players feeling unwell kind of came out after the game, actually, because I, I think you're right. All your instincts are like, oh, you know what I mean? We, we all know kind of, you know, where this is probably going. But again, yeah, you can't, you know, you can't cancel games based really on 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 that. If negative tests, then players have to play. Um, it's just kind of an odd one. I think the, the biggest surprise, obviously, is, is how, um, how in fact, 
cathartic it was for Muscon in the end. It's just made it much more interesting, kind of at the at the bottom of the table in lots of ways, isn't it? Well, players have to play. Well, in some sense, yes, but not necessarily these players have to play. If they're feeling mm-hmm. unwell, you, you're actually weakening your own team anyway, even if it's your best players. If I don't know, I don't remember what who else was was named, but even if that's the case, if they would have used other players. Well, it would still not be good for them, but now it's actually bad. Could be potentially bad for the league. Yeah, that yeah. I think I think that's a good yeah. point, Joris. And it's that catch twenty two situation. When when when, you, when you're sick, you just don't play. Even if it's something mm. else, of course. Like then you also don't play. So it's still a bit strange. Well, yeah. very strange. Yeah, I think yeah. So just looking, so it was Holtzer was one. Borden, Suzuki, uh, Vandenbusch as well. So that's at least okay. four of them. And then obviously Tisudali didn't play. Franz didn't play. Nabusi wasn't on the list, but he didn't play either. So I don't know if he was an injury, but maybe they just haven't listed him from where I'm looking. But yeah, I'm kind of kind of interested to see then like what the effect of this is. Like, does this have a domino effect? Do the Moosecorn players who didn't have it initially now get it? Obviously, we know they had quite a few games cancelled a couple of weeks ago when they had quite a few positive tests. So maybe they built up some like herd immunity or something too. I don't know, but... Like, it's not just your own team you're putting at risk, I guess, with these guys playing. But without knowing, like, what the process is and all that stuff, like, can't really blame. There's no one really we can blame. I guess, like you always said, if, if they're feeling unwell, you don't really play them. Like, yeah, no, who knows? Who knows? Open actually, so the, the opponent of uh, the last week also has a, have a lot of cases now. Well, I don't know if how official they blamed it on it but uh, we're making some arguments about the the small dressing rooms at Beerschot at, at the, the keel uh, yeah <laughs> I'm not sure if that is anything and if, well most likely not I'm not an expert either but well obviously small rooms are not, well more prone to get uh, people sick for corona for mm. covid but yeah okay i don't know what else if that's really anything they they also already had a huge yeah, amount of players before and now they already again have i believe 13 players and 18 people in total or something like that again so there should be some doubles so there's it's also something to look into well somehow to try to find out Maybe it's just COVID really just on the rise again. And yeah, nothing we yeah. can do about it. We, don't, we, we will never know, I guess. So many yeah. questions and not enough answers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, is, that is literally it. Just quickly moving on to my player of the week. I went for slightly biased, the former Reading player, Matty Miazga. Uh, of Anderlecht, mainly because he won 80% of his aerial duels. And this was against Paul Onoachu. So that is no mean feat to beat the tallest man in the world, as far as I know, to headers. Yeah. 85% pass accuracy as well, which I think is really important for Anderlecht and company and the way he wants to play out from the back. And I've kind of said in the past, I wasn't like, I've never been 100% convinced of Miasco as like a ball playing centre-back. And I don't think he's like a ranging passer and all that sort of stuff. But 85% ball accuracy, I think that's pretty decent. More performances like that will really help Anderlecht and it will just kind of make company want to play the ball out from the back more which might not might not appeal to plenty of Andalek fans but again that's the way he's going so that's what he's going to do he also won eight jewels and he lost three of the jewels in this game so yeah I thought it was a good performance from uh, Matt Miazga they kept a clean sheet against Genk so that's a pretty decent result for them so yeah he was my player of the week uh, he made my team of the week as well, uh, which I put up on the Twitter account. I was going to go for Thomas Henry uh, with his hat trick, but yours, I'm sure you're going to talk about that in your roundup. That's right. But first, I'm going to start uh, with 
The first win from Clevrige at the Bozal since Antwerp is back in the in the Pro League, which well is since 2017, but actually it's the first win since 2003. And Antwerp is really struggling against the top teams. And most importantly, Leko seems to be again creating a keeper problem. He did the same thing at at Club Brugge at his during his spell there. They actually became champion with four or even five goalkeepers, and yeah, while well, creating the problem themselves. Let's see how this evolves. Um, Beran Vant played against Spurs for the first time already instead of Butte. Um, I didn't really, I didn't watch that game, but I've heard he performed quite well yesterday. He the the. Comments are a bit mixed, but Leko really blamed his goalkeeper and said like it was not a good choice to put him in goal now. So he seems to be burning them both in one week, uh, both Beranvant and Butte. So yeah, curious. I'm curious how this will evolve. But then indeed, let's go to Leuven. Only team to have scored every game so far. And even more stunningly, they actually made at least two goals per game in their last 11 games. So it's quite a nice streak. Uh, 10 league games. And uh, yeah, they all, they are one of the few first division teams that already played a cup game as well. Yeah. And Han- Thomas Henry is indeed having an amazing streak. Seven games in a row now that he scored. And even we can go back to this two whole 10 league games. He has been involved um, with a, either a goal or an assist or both uh, for each of these games. So he's I see he's clearly having a big impact. I didn't look up how many points Leuven picked up during this. It's not bad because they're in fourth spot now, I believe. But I think it's not that impressive in comparison to these stats. So there's something lacking as well still. But the, the Mercier-Henri uh, combination is really, really destroying everything. I've also see, uh, read that Mercier is actually destroying the Scout data. Then to another game and another stats that uh, actually already picked up their sixth red cards this weekend after 16 games. And finally, they've managed uh, to reach the bottom spot, well, which is not a surprise. If you like to play with less people than your opponent, you make it difficult for yourself. And um, yeah, Musket might be gone, but his soul clearly is not completely gone yet. Uh, <laughs> the soul of Kevin Musket. <laughs> <laughs> to get back to, to Miazga um, and Anderlecht, um, they did really well, particularly in defense. Genk only got one shot on target and I believe was already in the 12th minute or so. So after the 12th minute, Genk didn't create any real goal threat anymore. Yeah, there, there were a few uh, referee decisions that could have gone either way. But if you see these stats and also see uh, which chances Anderlecht got, yeah, it can deservedly lost, uh, of course, also because of the third kid. Like, I really, really hope they never will use that again. But yeah, that was my roundup of this week. Yeah, no, I think um, I just want to talk about, briefly talk about Thomas Henry. Just because I really like seeing a player who's excelled at the league below come up and do it in the the league above, like so that he can progress from the the second tier to the top tier. So he was like top scorer last year in the second tier. He's now doing really well in the top tier, and like his stats are quite insane. He's had like according to uh, Football, uh, fifty eight games, thirty three goals for Leuven. Like that's really good. That's really really good. Yeah, and I think they've kind of like Beer should have been like the big. Everyone's like, oh wow, look at them, look at them go. 
but now Leuven have just like built their way up. Like you said, they've scored in every game. I think them putting Romo in goal, they've kind of solidified that. They've decided that he's going to be the number one keeper and it's paying off. He's been playing really well. And they're on the same points as Beershot, so they're having a really good season. I'll quickly run through all the results from the weekend as we haven't done that yet. So obviously we had Anderlecht beat Genk 1-0. Yeah, like you said, you always one shot on goal. Dessas came on, didn't have a shot. On Oaccio, I think, had one shot. I think that was it. Muscron, as we said, beat Beershot 3-1. Circa Brugge lost again, uh, this time to Oostend, which was actually in a really, really tight game. Really hard-fought game, that. Kortwijk obviously lost 3-0 to Leuven, all the goals from Thomas Henry. St. Truden lost 2-1 to Charleroi, so Charleroi are back on form. Well, they're back with a win, which is really important for them. Antwerp, Club Bruges, we were kind of hoping this would be our game, one of our games of the week, but it just really wasn't. Antwerp conceding in the first minute, basically, and then going down to 10 men in like the 15th, I think it was, and it kind of just killed the game there. And then Ghent won a game. They beat Standard Liège. Well, Standard Liège beat themselves, I think. Uh, if you see that final goal, it was a bizarre decision to do a try and turn a player in your own half. Great nick from Dorsch. Uh, Yelamchuk's never well. He looked really calm and composed to score that one. So get get a win and and are then, out of yeah. the relegation zone. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's true. <laughs> yeah, they are slowly moving away from that relegation zone. Um, Standard are in terrible, terrible form. Uh, maybe we can speak about that another time. But yeah, they're they're not doing well and. They're not a team I'm particularly enjoying watching, that's for sure. And then, yeah, the Mechelen 2, Vazen Beveren 3 was the final game of the match week. We'll take a, a quick break now. And then on the other side, we'll look ahead to the next match day and a couple of talking points as well. Welcome back to part two of episode 21 of the Belgian Football Podcast. And um, yeah, we're going to start off this roundup with some, oh, it's just so depressing, uh, this news. So I don't really want to repeat what was said, because I think that's just, it's just wrong. I don't think it should be repeated anywhere else. But yeah, so for those who haven't seen, Paris Haroun, the uh, captain of Antwerp, their midfielder, their Experienced midfielder has been around for ages. Great player, seems like a great guy as well. Uh, was subject to some racist abuse on Twitter, and it's just that's just disgusting. Yeah, I just don't even know what to say about this, guys. I'm just it was just seeing it this morning. Just it just gets you so angry, doesn't it? Like that we're still having to deal with this problem, and it's just no matter where you are in the world, it seems that this problem just still exists, where these people have these disgusting views and. Yeah, I just really hope something's done about it, to be honest. Like, these people should be nowhere near football. They shouldn't be allowed to put these things out on social media and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah things, so we're definitely... Things are being done, luckily. Uh, both Clubbyal yeah. both and, and Antwerp are investigating. And also, the guy, it's, it's definitely at least, but at least he apologized by now. But yeah, of course, that's yeah, easier I mean, to do, but it's yeah. good that he did it at least. I think obviously, you know, everyone unequivocally kind of condemns that sort of behaviour. It's it's completely unacceptable, and it's it's great to see that there has been such a kind of strong response to it. Because my initial reaction was, okay, um, let's hear from the pro league, and they released a statement today, and the clubs have been in touch, and obviously they've been in touch with Twitter as well. So all of those avenues that you would expect to now um, happen are happening. But yeah, there's there's absolutely no no place for that at all anywhere anywhere and the great thing about the the pro league in belgian football is it it's it's great 
specifically because in a lot of ways there are such a wide range of nationalities that play in the yeah. league and that's that's one of its greatest strengths so you know to have behavior like this it is just it's it's just not on and it's it's i suppose it reminded me earlier this week as well the pro league were on their their social media were actually tweeting about their their own kind of show the racism the red card campaign which they have run in schools in belgium and it was just awful to see that in the same week that they were sharing some of the footage of their working schools that um there'd be an incident like this yeah it's 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 not on yeah no i think it's it kind of just reiterates how important that work is at that age that it needs to be done and um especially with everything and we had the incident with Millwall fans and stuff like that and it's just like yeah this is a reminder isn't it like we still got a long way to go on these issues Mm -hmm. and yeah, like you said, Scott, I think that's one of the things I love about this league is just how diverse it is in terms of the player base that you have. So you have like Haroon, who he put when he put out his tweet about his like Belgian Chadian heritage. You've got players from Asia, Africa, the United States, South America. Like you've got players from all over the place playing in this league, which is what makes it so entertaining to watch and just such a fascinating league to cover and stuff and like all the different cultures and that that just kind of collide into this league. And I think it's great that. We get to enjoy that and there's just a couple of idiots out there unfortunately who yeah just can't accept people based on the color of their skin and stuff so let's hope that's the last time we have to mention this on this podcast um unfortunately i don't think the issue is going to go away anytime soon but hopefully we can start moving in the right direction on that and yeah glad that there was a swift reaction and that people have backed up haroon and Let's hope that's the end of that. Um, I will. I will never understand why football fans do it because they mm. always insult players from their own team as well with such comments. So hundred percent. This part, even even if anything else, it's not the most important thing. Even I guess in the whole issue, but still, like you're just insulting your own team uh, as well. So if that doesn't make you feel bad, I don't know. <sighs> yeah. No. Hundred. Hundred percent. Yeah. And if. Uh, yeah. Disgusting. Disgusting behavior. So we kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, I think we should maybe talk about a little bit more. Franken at Mechelen, uh, as Scott said, he is on very, 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 very thin ice now. Um, They had such a great season last year and it just seems to have gone horribly wrong this season, doesn't it? Like, can't score goals, really, really struggling. They're making chances, that's for sure, but they're really struggling to put these away. Conceding quite a few as well. They've conceded more than bottom club, than the bottom club, St. Truden, conceded more than Musclon conceded more than Zotter Balagem who are just above them yeah what what do you like Scott I guess I'll go to you because you've you've been speaking about this quite a bit recently about how you think he's under pressure like what do you think's gone wrong there I think it it probably goes back to pre-season actually when I think about it I I, I don't think and I touched upon this quite early on maybe oh as early as week three or four in the season I, I do remember saying now that I didn't think they'd recruited very well. And I think that's a big factor as well. I think there were um, some real gaps in that squad. I think defensively, they're they're pretty brittle. I think the midfield lacks a bit of steel. The balance isn't right. And I, I, I think the combination of, and Wouter Rankin was talking about this actually this week, um, repeated individual mistakes. And not just individual mistakes, we're talking about mistakes you can't recover from. You know, they've had too many red cards. You know, there's there's a discipline issue there. I think there are game management issues, you know, as we mentioned earlier as well, that are really, really fundamental things. And I, I also think Wouter Rankin's arguably not taking his own share of responsibility here because you can't come out as he 
he did a few days ago and say, look, you know, we're making too many of the same individual mistakes repeatedly here. This has been happening since the start of the season. So it's a more fundamental, deep rooted thing than that. Something has to change fundamentally, as I was saying, and usually in football, that that change doesn't come with the players kind of grabbing things by the scruff of the neck. Usually there's a coach change um, and this isn't going to be any different. I, you know, I, I'm still surprised he's there. I, I thought after the result against Vastland, I thought, I thought the axe might fall. I think what's perhaps kept him in his job is obviously there are two games this week um, and there's a midweek round of games and it probably logistically would be very difficult um, to, to you know, let him go um, with two games in, in three or four days. So I think the only thing that's going to save him in all honesty now is two wins and they've got Bruges and Leuven coming up next and it's a big ask now. It pains me, it pains me because I do have a slight soft spot for Mecklen. I love the way they play the football, love the ground. Um, I have, yeah, I have a bit of a soft spot for the for the city as well. So, you know, I'd, I'd like to see them turn this around, but it might not happen without, without a change of coach, I'm afraid. Yeah, no, I think recruitment-wise, and I think kind of like the drop-off in performances of some key players from last season as well, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just been... Tricky, I guess. Like I expected uh, Togwi to become much more of a focal point as a striker for them, but that just hasn't really worked so far this season. He missed quite a few big chances at the beginning, uh, relying on Igor Di Camargo at 37 years old, who's scored his fair few like a few goals this season. But again, like can you rely on him for an entire season again at that age? It's just tricky. Like Issa Kabore hasn't played at the high level that has been expected of him. But obviously he's had some things been injured a couple of times. He's been dropped a few times as well. So he's kind of like chopped and chained that to try and find out, find a way of winning. And the game after those, these two next upcoming games is Musclon. So maybe he's given until before the winter break and then they decide on after that. But yeah, can they afford to go into that Musclon game and lose, like if they lose that game, that's going to have quite a big, if, like if they lose all three of these games and with losing to Muscon, like Muscon will certainly overtake them in the league, um, puts them into the into the bottom two, and yeah, I think it's kind of it's kind of interesting to see what what different teams how different teams have kind of approached it. So like St. Trude and obviously change of manager, Muscon change of manager, Baz and Bevelin stuck with their manager and they start to turn it around. Whether Mecklen Mecklen, you kind of like what what approach are you going to go for? Are you going to stick or are you going to go for a chain yeah I can't if they don't win or even pick up any points from these next two I'll be very very surprised if he's in charge for the Muscon game yeah I was I'm, I was going to say the one thing other thing that still speaks in his favor that so far they didn't drop into the relegation zone themselves well they are in the zone but not in the yeah to the spots that are that really matter yet but yeah if they if they keep losing of course it will happen sooner or later well, latest the Muscoon game, I think, in that case as yeah, well. That's, but yeah, that... indeed, maybe, even though there's not that much of a winter break, but maybe indeed, uh, since we're that close anyway, maybe indeed they, they will assess the situation then. I think you might be right there, Ben. 
Yeah, I think it's it's a very difficult one because you would imagine that the 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 club has has sounded out potential candidates. So if a change is going to be made soon, or they're thinking about it at the moment, then when the change comes, uh, much like um, at St. Truden, it happened very quickly. So that obviously those conversations were happening behind the scenes, and you know we know the way things work in football. But often that's that's the case, and I don't imagine this being any different at all either. Yeah, I think, you know, a couple of big performances needed over the next few days. Also, another thing, I don't know exactly how it ma how it matches and how big his contract is, but potentially that's another thing that keeps him, um, it might be too expensive for them to, given their, even be, even yeah. with now getting the money for Franks, well, they don't have it yet anyway, but with the whole situation, maybe clubs also wait a bit longer. Uh, not, yeah. it, this doesn't go for all clubs, but for some of these clubs that are struggling, Maybe they're thinking twice uh, before and giving yeah. some extra yeah. I think that's a really important point, actually, Joris, because there were some indications that he was showing some interest in the St. Truden post and that he was quite high up on their list. And the issue there, if rumours are to be believed, is 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 contractual. Um, and there being issues there kind of buying out of his Mechelen contract. So, yeah, there's there's definitely more at play here, especially when you think of the pressure that's on him. You know, I think we're all surprised that perhaps he's still there. Um, so there probably is a little bit more to it than, than you know, what, what we're seeing entirely from the outside. Yeah, that would have been a very, an interesting move if he had gone there. I think, speaking of St. Juden, I'd love, um, if you haven't seen it, check out uh, the commentator Will Downing's Twitter account. There's a picture the canary, the Centurion canary, the mascot, just kind of like abjectly walking out of the stadium after the 2-1 defeat to Charleroi. And it's just like such a perfect picture of everything like that's <laughs> happening at that club, which, how depressed the mascot looks uh, with the situation. Um, the only fan technically in the stadium at the time, waving the flag, just looks dejected. Uh, I think Scott, you retweeted it as well. So if you can't find Will's Twitter account, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, cheers, Will. Yeah. <laughs> Just quickly before we move on, I saw uh, what load of waffle on Twitter tweeting about perhaps Paul Clement coming under pressure at Circle of Brugge, and I really, really hope that's not the case. I know they haven't; they've lost the last four games, but I think I'd hope that what he's shown at the start of the season will kind of help keep him in that place because I think there's a there was a good thing going on there, and I think every team will have like a slump and stuff. And I know this is a bad slump for them, but. Fingers crossed they stick with him because I, I think he probably could turn it around. I think his like management style, I think, would be suited to that. So, yeah, potentially one to look out for, I guess. Yeah, they, but, they have money to do so. So Exactly. Yeah, like, it's not he's issue. not that lucky if that's any yeah. that's of any issue in, uh, in, any, in any other situation. But, yeah, they don't have that issue now. No, yeah, they're, they're in a position where they can make, yeah, they can make changes if they want to. So... We'll see. We'll see with that one. Hopefully, it'd be good to see Paul Clement stay, not just in, because of his uh, press conferences are all done in English, so I can actually understand them, which is really nice, but that's not what it's all about. Another depressing thing to talk about is um, we've kind of already alluded to it, uh, COVID cases. Not sure there's too much more to say on this that we haven't said already. Obviously, uh, Yippon's game on the weekend was cancelled, and I think we're all pretty much convinced that their game against Genk this week isn't going to go ahead. Then we've also had uh, the St. Sluden game against Beershot has been postponed after coronavirus, another wave of coronavirus, as we already spoke about. So I think we're going to limp towards the Christmas break. There's going to be a few more cancellations. I think that's just going to be inevitable. Yeah, if I don't know. Do you guys think we're going to get to the Christmas break? 
or do you think it's going to be curtailed before we get there? Fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. That's if people can stop, goalkeepers can stop having house parties they shouldn't be having as well. <laughs> oh, that's another story. <laughs> yeah. Fabrice Ondoa, uh, East End goalkeeper, had a house party, which didn't go down too well, as you can imagine, with the authorities or with East End. So. Or with us either, or with us. No, or with us, yeah. yeah. Sad, sad situation. Um, I really think, yeah, Ondoa's career has kind of nosedived massively. So I think he needs a fresh start. <laughs> I think he needs to leave um, and find somewhere else to play because I can't imagine East End are going to be thinking about putting him in the team anytime soon after that. Yeah, I, um, I do think we will get to the break, but we'll have to see with how many games well being postponed. We were six yeah. days on track again. Exactly six <laughs> days. And now it's, this, oh. uh, the schedule is ruined again. Up. We're so close. <laughs> At least we're not the schedulers. But yeah, it's like we got there and then it was like, okay, here we go again. Yeah. Uh, speaking speaking of schedules and fixtures and all that, we got the Europa League draw today. Completely ignored the Champions League draw. It's a relevant, pointless competition anyway. It's all about the Europa League uh, for us here. And looks like we're seeing Rangers again, lads. Um, <laughs> we've watched them play against Standard Liège and now we're going to get to see them play against Antwerp in the last 32. I think it's, a, it's, it's a Scott's curse. <laughs> Another he has to he, he's reverse jinx or something he has to watch them a few more times <laughs> reverse jinx yeah yeah that, that's a good way of putting it Yoris you know regular listeners will know that my own team are Rangers arch rival Celtic so you know seeing seeing Rangers come up against another Belgian side was was almost bound to happen and of course I um, I actually got in touch with the guys before the draw I was having a look at the seedings and the pots and the situation and we we're trying to work out possibilities and one of my comments was Antwerp can can draw Rangers. We knew they would draw, um, not be able to draw Bruges. So I knew it was potentially on the cards. So yeah, it's a it's a reverse jinx. Well put, Joris. <laughs> well, we'll see. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it, hopefully it has a happy end for all Bel- Belgians and you. <laughs> yeah, let's hope Antwerp can get um, get all their players fit for that one because I think at full strength they've got a good chance uh, against Rangers. That's for sure. I think it'd be it'd be a good game. Uh, it'd be yeah, an interesting it'd be game. Fine. Yeah, it, it's so one of forward. yeah. Looking forward to it for sure, and I think it's not the worst draw they could have had. With all respect to Rangers, but like a lot of the other opponents were probably well, there was really no chance. Now I still think Rangers are favorites, but yeah, there there might lie some chances for. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Honest, yeah. I, think, I think both clubs will be very happy with the draw, and at the moment, based on form, I think Rangers are are slight favorites, certainly. Absolutely. Completely agree with you guys there. And then we have Club Bruges against Dinamo Kiev. This is remember that Dinamo Kiev absolutely pumped Ghent to knock them out of Champions League qualification, which was probably a blessing because then Ghent went on to take no points in the Europa League, which was just disastrous, um, but not surprising with the way things were going there. So I think it's oh. it's kind of like a similar tie, isn't it? Where you're like, both teams will probably be happy with what they've got, but they probably could have got like lesser opposition but I think it's going to be quite an even one again like a, a good side as well um, as we've already seen them this year against again but yeah I, th- I think Bruges yeah it's I don't know what you guys think but I think this is another one where it could go either way I just want to throw Ghent under the bus here they're the first team out of pot one that didn't get any points in Europa League and also the first Belgian team ever yeah, just I, I just have to <laughs> throw them under the bus shamelessly here because this is just well, I I think they will agree that this is just awful. Yeah, I don't think you can argue <laughs> but, with that. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But uh, coming to what's actually at hand, well, Brugge actually played uh, Dynamo Kiev in the Champions League qualifiers last season and they did kick them out. And I do think, well, indeed, they beat Ghent in the qualifiers, but in the in the stages, they were lucky that they had... How is it called? Uh, yeah, you will know it better now, Scott, because uh, they played Celtic in the... In the qualifiers for, as well, that uh, Ferenc Varos, um, or how you pronounce it, in the yeah, in the in the group, because otherwise they might have been kicked out um, already. Well, even though Ferenc Varos actually did quite well considering their size, but I think they were already very happy to be in the Champions League. And yeah, okay, the other teams were Barcelona and Juventus, I believe. So it's not a shame that they ended third, but they really didn't threat these other teams either. So. I feel like Riga should be slight favorites in this game, in this tie, um, is my feeling. Yeah. And also let's hope so, because both Scotland and uh, Ukraine are relatively close in the coefficient race. It's good proof importance to, yeah, to, to kick these teams out and also proceed ourselves, uh, ourselves as, as Belgium, Belgian teams. Um, yeah, no, absolutely agree. I think as well, just looking at Kiev's results in the Champions League, they only beat Fenvaos, uh once and that was 1-0 at home. Uh, they drew with them two all away. So yeah, let's see what happens. I just don't want to get too overly optimistic. Unfortunately, that's a very English trait. Okay, we've got a couple more things to go through. Let's just have a quick look at the upcoming fixtures. I was going to say let's stick to just the midweek ones, but I'll let you guys go a bit wild if you've got ones from the weekend as well. But uh, Joris, what game are you looking forward to this week? I did take a midweek one, which is uh, Kortrijk against Dandar. Could be an interesting one, I feel. Also because there's, to be fair, not that many big games on paper yeah. um, yet. But Kortrijk are doing quite well. Standard is doing quite bad so we'll, we'll, <laughs> we will see this this might even out the game so we'll, and I, I think they're also relatively close to each other in the classification so i think yeah, yeah hopefully it will be not a it could be a boring game it could be an exciting game but i'm uh, i'm gonna hope that it will be the latter then fingers crossed scott what game are you looking forward to well my advice remains the same watch all of them but i did lift my red pen and circle rather rapidly circles home game to charlewa Tomorrow night, yeah, I've not I've not seen Circular for for a couple of weeks now, so um, I'm looking forward to to checking in with them, and hopefully it'll be another reverse jinx, and that me watching will coincide maybe with them uh, getting three points. Yeah, and for once we can't follow your advice because many games are played at the same time. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. It was it was jinx for one week only. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll um, as a trio, we'll try and cover them all if we possibly we can but that means someone might have to watch a boring game but these what things a hor- happen what a horrible timing also I've lined up my straws guys I've got my straws lined up right here so you know <laughs> I <get a> couple. <laughs> what game am I going to look forward to um, yeah again against Beveren I've had mid like highlighted in the midweek games just see if Beveren can keep it up and see if Ghent can kind of put something together and start getting a bit of momentum and stuff like that. So I think that could be quite interesting. And then Friday night, we have Charleroi against Anderlecht. So we're also looking forward to see, yeah, kind of like how those two teams go at each other. Like tactically, I think it could be quite an interesting one. Other games that we potentially have, potentially don't have, who knows? Musclon at home to Leuven. Uh, these were midweek ones. So Anderlecht against Oostend. Antwerp against Odeval again. Obviously, we spoke about Jupen Genk. We don't think that's going to go ahead, but we'll wait and see. And then Thursday night, we have Mechelen against Club Brugge. 
and then this weekend we have Ustend against Yupin, Beershot against Circler, uh, potentially Zolta Valigam against St. Truden. I'll have to wait and see on that one. Genk against Kortwijk, Club Bruges against Ghent, Leuven Mechelen, uh, Standard Age, Musclon, and Vazem Beveren against Antwerp. But I imagine that not all these games will go ahead, so we'll just have to wait and see. And we have a listener question to finish off the episode. Yeah, so it's off from our friend Eunice. Eunice, who does some really good writing. I think he's actually stopped writing, which is a shame. But yeah, things happen and you've got to concentrate on different things in life. So that's fair enough. And we really enjoyed what Eunice had written. So his question is about Club Bruges. And it is, which next step do Club Bruges need to take in order to dominate the league and Europe for years without failing, falling off like others? I think... I'm not sure if he meant just dominate the league and then continue to get into Europe because I'm not sure there's a pathway for Club Bruges to ever really dominate in Europe. Maybe we could take it more as like a be successful or be more successful in Europe and kind of reach knockout stages because I don't think any team from outside of the top couple of leagues will ever really be able to do anything in Europe for a sustained period of time. It's just financially impossible because your players will just get picked off. So which one of you guys wants to jump in on the domestic front on this one? I'll be happy to. So yeah, also I, I feel like it's a bit of a premature question right now. The the first thing they actually have to do is win back-to-back titles. They, they haven't done so since 1978. They won three titles from 1976 until 1978. But that's also really the only time in their history they did that. So before really talking about dominating the league, uh, they, they actually, they're actually very, uh, they're performing quite well. They lately they've not fallen out of the top two for I don't know five six years in a row now but there's too many second spot finishes in this streak yet to to really say that they would dominate but okay let's say it it, let's take it for the future so win more titles and more more years in a row that's a good start an obvious good start and I don't think I will be saying much uh groundbreaking stuff but yeah for the rest grow financially get at least indeed yeah getting if you don't win the title the second spot is good but of course you're not really dominating but you you get into the check can still get into the champions league get the jackpot get all the money and yeah financially grow as you ben also just mentioned already like yeah the financial part is really important the the stadium should be built uh they, they i know they're planning to do so but there have been plannings for 13 years now I think so let's see if if that eventually comes they could make take a major step to indeed dominating the league because of financial power and it all boils down to financial power and maybe this year they will actually win a back-to-back title but yeah they should do that more consistently they uh, yeah and for Europe yeah I don't indeed I don't think yes there might be some one year thing and that I fear this could have been a year in Champions League that they could have done it they could have had gotten worse teams from pot one than Zenit. Yeah. Anyway, this I th- I feel like this year was a year that they could have done a lot better in the Champions League. But also, I f- also feel like it could uh, would have been a one-off thing. And to do it consistently, yeah. Again, it boils down to the financial part and invest um, strategically, which you are doing quite well locally. But I'm not sure if they can actually do that on a European scale. Yeah, I can't really add much to that, I don't think. Um, I was just going to say, it was such a good answer, I have nowhere to go. <laughs> no, I think, as well, I think, yeah, I think they just, we've all, we kind of said it, they do need a striker, but I don't know if that's going to really, because the problem is, though, if they get a striker, like, how long are they going to stay around for? 
like before a team picks them off it's really difficult isn't it to like kind of you need to find players that will be happy for staying at the level but also good enough to push you on to the next level sort of thing so yeah I think they've and obviously they've got players that they can sell so I think that's going to help them like they can sell and then reinvest to like yeah they could sell Emmanuel Dennis and it's fine because they've got player like Badgie coming through and like Dennis hasn't been as productive as people think he is I guess he's slightly overrated in that sense um the Ketelar is going to go for a big fee at some point he's very much like hyped up at the moment uh those goals in the Champions League definitely increased his kind of like financial well his market value Diata's going to go for a big fee at some point like these players aren't gonna be able to stay around so it's kind of like what are you putting in place to kind of like continue to bring players through that are going to replace these guys and yeah I think that's the big question isn't that if you're going to be successful over the long term you need like a system in place to do that and yeah that's kind of going to we're going to see what happens there I guess replacement for Rude Vorma that could be another thing like he's getting on a little bit um like who's going to kind of do the job that he does for the team alongside Van Aken like they kind of complement each other quite well so there's a couple of questions I guess but yeah it's kind of like problems that all teams kind of face in these situations anyway yeah I, w- I just wanted to add a few examples of teams that like i feel like is potentially their best uh option uh the best case scenario is being like ajax and then benfica mm-hmm. good for a while but if you see now even they can't sustain it for yeah very long ajax is still doing well but yeah still not that well anymore and even they got kicked out to the same stage as Klubrugge right now so and it's gonna it's yeah okay they can via the Champions League they get more money in comparison to the local league but the big teams still get more money than them as well so yeah I fear this is infinite circle um, vicious circle that that we have to live with which is a bit unfortunate I have to I have to admit I think we all agree on that but yeah yeah that's how it goes so yeah uh- That's so true. I think they're lucky in one sense in that like a couple of their core pieces aren't going anywhere. So like Simon Mignolet is not going to go anywhere now and he can play for a couple more years as a goalkeeper. Clinton Matters probably not going to go anywhere now at 28, 29. Like he's probably going to stay. Van Aken, I know he was linked to West Ham, but he's probably not going to go anywhere really, is he? Like those sort of players are still going to hang around. They've been kind of like core pieces within that side. So they can keep those, but it is, yeah, it's like you said, like, it goes in waves and like at some point they will have a dip because this is an actual like Ajax, like Benfica, like in Europe, it's just so hard for these teams to maintain that. But then it's like, yeah, as long as you've got a conveyor belt of talent coming through, I think you'll be fine. So yeah, I hope that answers the question. Interesting one nonetheless. And we're probably actually running out of time, so we should wrap it up now. Before we do go, I just want to give a shout out to uh, the other Bundesliga guys for their Follow Friday. Really nice of them to add include us in their little list of people to follow. If you haven't seen it, definitely check out their account. There's some really good accounts on there who kind of do similar things to us in terms of like covering leagues that aren't really covered by like by the mainstream. I guess they're not like the top five leagues or something like that. There's some really, really good people out there doing lots of really, really interesting work. And it's nice that there's like a little, it feels like there's a community of us all that are doing it, which is really nice. And I think that's pretty much all we've got time for. So thanks once again to my co-hosts and the experts, Joris and Scott. Experts. See you soon, folks. <laughs> Twice we're called experts in two weeks. That's, I'm, uh, this is Absolutely. the prime of my life. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'll hope, I hope uh, I'll stay an expert for another week. <laughs> so uh, I can't wait for that. <laughs> 
Uh, also, a special thanks to uh, Joseph McDade who been doing did our intro music for us. Um, I hope you guys have liked it. We've been kind of experimenting a little bit, trying to find one that we like. I think we've stumbled across one that we like. So um, if you do like it, just let us know. Another shout out to Freelance Football Ops. As per usual, if you're interested in signing up to their subscription-based newsletter, check out their website, www.freelancefootballops.com uh, or their Twitter account by the same name. And every Monday they send you a newsletter with uh, paid jobs in football, which is really, really great. Uh, definitely worth subscribing to. And yeah, we'll be back again next week with another episode of the Belgian Football Podcast. Uh, in the meantime, if you like what we're doing, give us a little review. Yeah, definitely get involved with us on Twitter. You can reach us at Belgian Podcast or you can email us uh, belgianfootpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you everyone for listening and we'll hope to speak to you soon on another episode of the Belgian Football Podcast. Yeah.